We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Interlow, there's not much happening. We're going to have a nice, calm, non-controversial podcast about Mesinozel. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smithing. Block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. Mesinozel retired. We'll get to it. But what we're going to do today is, ding, ding, mailbag. Mail's here. We're going to do a mailbag episode. We ask for your questions on Twitter and on the Discord uh, for those of you who are patrons. For those of you who are not patrons, like, I just... Straight love that you're here. Thank you. If you're only ever here, thank you. But if you love what we do, if you want more of it, there are rewatches, there are bonus podcasts, there are instant reactions, there's access to live events because the live event tickets, for some reason, people want to actually see this podcast in person. So the live event tickets sell out just to patrons. Um, So if you want to be able to access those, like Patreon is there. If you never, ever join it and you promise to just stay here, that's all good too. Love you. Hope to see you at a pub somewhere. Hope to share a drink. Hope to share a memory uh, and just enjoy each other's company. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, our fundraiser launches in eight days. Um, we're going to raise a heck of a lot of money for a good cause and really want to just say how much we appreciate you doing that. Um, all of the proceeds from our New York and Chicago events, 100% going to the fundraiser. So for those of you who bought tickets, you've already started helping a good cause. Okay. Let's dig in to the mailbag. And here to do that with me today is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Well, pause. Woohoo! And Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive Berto. Hello, Clive. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking to make sure you're with us. Just checking yeah. to make sure. Um, okay, look. The... The Ozil thing, let's just get it. Let, I mean, he did retire. Major figure, not just in the game, but at Arsenal. So Beardy McBeardface on uh, Twitter, at Bearded Hannon, asks... What's your favorite o- Ozil moment in an Arsenal shirt, Clive? Um, funny enough, I think it was a game we drew Liverpool 3 all, and when Ozil bounced the keeper to make mm. it, we were, I think we were 2-0 down, and uh, I think we might have gone 3-2 up, and they equalised. But um, I, th- I remember sitting quite near Tim, and I told him at half-time, I, we went over and did a mini-podcast, and I said to him, mate, 
we're, we're, we're done here. No chance of getting back into this game. Tim agreed. And, uh, of course, our expertise was completely ripped apart about 10 minutes later <laughs> when we stormed back <laughs> into the game. I think yep. Shaka scored a long shot and a uh, millionaire waved it in. And, uh, and then as well scored his goal and the, the stadium was loud. I mean, one of the loudest. So that was a great moment. But other, aside from that, I will say that through him, I learned a lot about midfield play and how to focus on how to develop your starting position to make sure that, you know, you empty out the centre of the pitch, play from the exterior, make sure your passes go into the interior. And he was the first one that really taught me about entering the centre, emptying it out, and then entering the centre from the sides. And he's a genius at that. And when you're growing up watching football in my era, you sort of have your formation and you play in formation. You play in that area. If you're if you're a six, you play there. If you're a winger, you play there. If you're a ten, you play behind the striker. And he was the one that taught me really about the different sides of football that we now know as positional play. And I think he was so educational for me. I learned a lot through watching him when he when he arrived hey. at Arsenal. Paul, favorite moment in an Arsenal shirt for Mesodozo? Uh Basically, him and and uh, Alexis at their pump when they connected. But like, if I had to pick out a singular, like the Leicester game, the three-one. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was just imperious. As a goal, the who was it we played? Was it Ludogratz or Ludogratz. something? Yeah, yeah. Like that that goal where he just—it's almost like a a surfer catching waves. He's just catching each wave. Moving it over, moving their entire team down. Yeah, just like in one moment, but like just like there was just a time where when him and Alexis and Cazorla were were feeling it and we were doing it, and it was like we could have been anything had they had another two or three players in that that team. But like uh, as a game, the three one against Leicester, it was just. It, like he was went for full world class. I'm going to give an answer that people are going to think is either a joke answer or not fair to mess it. And I don't mean it that way. So please don't take that way. My favorite moment of mess at Arsenal in an Arsenal shirt is holding up the shirt with the announcement that he'd signed. I couldn't believe it. I can still put myself right back in that moment when he signed the disbelief, the shock. It was like we were arriving again. It felt like a new era dawning. He was one of the players in world football at his absolute peak of his powers. He was a World Cup winner. He was a Real Madrid stalwart. He was he was not just great, but great visually. You know what I mean? He, he wasn't just a great player. He was a great player that was going to come play great football. And I really believed that Mesut Ozil meant the dawning of a new chapter for the club. And to be fair to Ozil, like, I don't think we get Alexis, if not for Ozil. I think Ozil made us relevant again. There's a lot of kids playing in this team who only have sepia-toned memories of Thierry Henry, but they remember Mesut Ozil. And whatever we think of Ozil, he is a titan in the game to the players. You know, he was a player who arrived with, like, 5x more followers on social media than the club has. He was that big, right? He he. It sounds crazy. I think at the time, the only players that had more followers than him on social media were like Ronaldo and Messi. He was that big. And 
uh, to, to certain parts of the world, he was that big. I mean, it expanded the reach of Arsenal. It further diversified our fan base. Look, however it ended, the beginning was as exciting as you could hope for. And, and in a way, I think Mesut Ozil's arc at Arsenal is very tied to Arsene Wenger's arc and decline. Mesut Ozil brought some things back to the club. We went and we got Alexis. He played some extraordinary football, but we didn't get enough players. We didn't surround him with enough of the talent. Arsene became too permissive. Mesut was allowed to maybe indulge himself too much. Mesut Ozil in his own book was like, Jose Mourinho wouldn't tolerate anything from me but my best. Now, I hate Jose Mourinho, but I think there are players that need that. And maybe we saw a little too much of the permissive side of Arsene Wenger in the, in the Ozil years. And, and so subsequently, I think that second contract of Ozil tied in to where the club was declining. And it all sort of, the arc followed together. But in that first in that first couple of seasons when he should have smashed the assist record, when he was laying on chances to Olivier Giroud to squander, um, yeah, it was something to behold. So for me, it's him holding up the shirt and and the dreams of a brighter future that it led to. And let's not forget uh, trophy droughts that were broken as well. So we'll, we'll pivot that to an Ozo conversation that relates more to this squad, Clive. And Llama Good Boy on Discord, maybe it's I am a good boy. Or is that an I? If it's an I, it's I am a good boy, which is a nice name. If it's an Sounds L, it's good. Llama Good Boy, which is also a nice name if you're a llama farmer. A, llama um, Good Boy is a great name. Yeah, I think it's better than I, I am a good that. boy. Yeah, yeah uh, is Odegaard what we hoped Ozil would be? I think that's a personal thing. Um, I, I I think it's almost like... Um, I was never a big fan of number 10 football, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I've, mm. I've said that before. <laughs> and and I just don't think, because in my head, a number 10 is, uh, rightly or wrongly, it's, it's, a, it's a luxury. You carry luxuries. And the way the game is today, I don't think you can carry anybody. Right? So so if you want to say that Ozil is a nominal 10, as we know he plays right attacking mid. So you can put a number on him if you want, but he plays right attacking mid. And to me, Erdegaard is a, is a harder working player that's more two way, that's very that's better, you know, as good on the ball. I think Özil's skills on the ball are unique to, to him, but Özil has his own you know, bag of clubs, and he can do a lot of what Özil can do. But I think he's more team orientated. So in the modern game, where team play, collaboration, work effort, pressing, getting to the ball quickly. I mean, Odegaard leads our press. I don't think Ozil could have done that five, six years ago. I wasn't even talking about pressing; it's not in my not in my brain, you know. So, yeah, the game has changed. Where we play, the game has changed. So, systemically, Odegaard suits his team really, really well. And I suppose to answer your question in in the one line, to me, yes, but it doesn't mean I didn't appreciate Ozil, particularly when Ozil wore number eleven. I do think there's a line in his Arsenal career. When he wore number 11, I thought he was sensational. Yeah, and other things was. took over when he got into number 10. And I started to think about the game differently and his game and his contribution. So my views changed, and I'd rather keep them <laughs> those views away from this podcast. But my views changed because I looked at more of a club-centric view and where we were going and what was 
taking us there and how quickly we were getting there and who was slowing us down. So yeah, that's how my views changed and why they changed. I don't think we each need to answer every question, but let's just stay on this one, uh, Paul. Is is Odegaard... I, it's interesting, right? Because Odegaard is not yet as old as Ozil was when we signed him, right? So we signed a player in his prime in, in Ozil. And in some ways, I think we actually got maybe the declining Ozil is still as phenomenal as he was. Odegaard is still just getting there. Uh, but is, is Odegaard what we hoped Ozil would be in some ways? In some ways, um, like he's the highly creative center in the attacking front three, four kind of thing, front four. Um, but after that, everything's different. Odegaard is a pheno- becoming a phenomenal captain and a leader. Yeah. And like, that's just like, Ozil needed, I think, not just a, a more dominant bossy manager, maybe, at that point. He needed Ronaldo. Uh, and at Arsenal, he needed a more dominant player. to Like, he needed to be with Thierry Henry, somebody he looked up to, somebody he could make shine, somebody he respected. problem with Ozil was being the biggest player in the dressing room when things... When things are going great, great, but when things started to turn, not an ideal gig for Ozil. He's not meant to be top dog. It doesn't suit him psychologically, and we suffered a lot for that. But like, I think as, as well in the last three, four, five, six games, something like that, we've seen Odegaard just step up levels uh, in terms of leadership. Sometimes carrying the, the badge, the leadership can, can take a toll on a player. This guy looks to have all the skills and the mentality to embrace it and to uh, get more out of his game. So, as you said, we haven't remotely seen the best of Odegaard yet. Um, they're both the creative centers, but they, like, Odegaard comes with so much work rate. But on the other hand, look, Ozil was a generational talent. And to compare really anybody to him in terms of his overall vision how he saw the game what he could do etc um like those are bad conversations i always think i am gonna punt on this one my attitude is they're different players and uh different players bring different things to the game i don't think you have to put down ozil at his best to celebrate odegaard nor do you have to um do the opposite so i i feel fortunate we got to watch mess ozil at arsenal for, for the years that it was enjoyable, and I feel very fortunate that we're going to get to watch Martin Odegaard at Arsenal. Clive, RG on Discord asks, you get a 30 million bid. I- I'm going to ask the question RG wants to ask, but I ask it in a funny way. Okay. 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 A 30 million bid comes in this summer, and the club bidding is like, eh, we'll take Balogun or Enkedia. You choose. Who do you want to send us? Which one do you sell? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to. S- I'm going to type uh, Clive's answer in the message, and we'll see how close I got. Well, I would actually. What you have to do, you have to, you have to do it on based on um, what you know. So, if I had to sell one, I would sell Balogun. The reason being, I have a, I have a track record of seeing Eddie in the Arsenal team. 
So I would take a, a risk-based approach and say, I know one can do it. I'm not sure about the other one. The money's the same. So I would take the I would take the money for Balogun. Right? So however, if you ask me another question, if if would you sell both? I potentially would sell both. Interesting. Because I think because I think we need something different in the centre forward area of the pitch. Right. So so that's what I would do. We don't I don't need to, and we don't need to. And um but it all depends on other things that we do in the squad. So um once I would sell yeah. I'm not I'm not adverse to selling both. It's probably a better response, you know, as long as I, the money was right. The funny thing is you said something there that I think is actually would make for an interesting debate another time, which said, I've seen Eddie, I know that works. I don't know that I think it works. And I know that's so harsh because we don't beat United and we don't beat Spurs without Eddie. But I look at what Troussard is doing and the way he's playing that position, and that works. And I look at some of the football we were playing in the last few games we played with Eddie. I'm not sure if that worked. Now, there was some he was injured. injured. Yeah, I, I, know, I-, I know. Look, I, I think know. I do. I think and I'm not. You know my views on Eddie, particularly you yeah. two guys know my views on Eddie. And I think there's a limit to it. And I think, but I also think there's sometimes there's more to it than just talent. It's, yeah. it's, it's how you work and how you operate on a day-to-day basis. Your scope for improvement, your desire to improve, your desire to change your body and learn the tactical aspects. The fact I have a view around certain technical aspects of his game and his want to do the more of the, the team collective stuff, which I like to see, that's, that's personal to me. I'll tell you what, though. We're 1-0 down. And Jesus is playing. And we're going to two strikers. We need a goal. Suddenly, his stock is rising, mate, massively. We're thinking he can nick a goal in here because he's good at those scenarios. And so that's why I went for the Eddie discussion. If Jesus was fit, Eddie's he's a really good backup. He's a really good substitute if we're behind in the game. Balogun, for me, I think he's technically, I think he's better. I think he's more two-footed. I think he's as quick. I think he can play in wide areas. So attribute-wise, he probably suits. But I haven't seen it. So it's just wish casting, you know? So I've yeah. got to go with what I know. I'll say it like this. I think Eddie is much more talented and much better than I thought he was. I just still am not convinced that that skill set is a, a round peg, round hole for the way we want to play. I mean, think about this. Erling Holland is going to obliterate the goal record in the Premier League. Obliterate it. Like it, like it never existed. And there's still people that legitimately wonder if he made City better or not. Because sometimes you look at a player playing a certain way in a certain team and say, I don't know if that looks as effective. So it's not a criticism of a player to say, fit-wise, what they're really elite at may not be the right fit. I want to stay on the Balogun topic, though, Paul. So I'm going to ask you this question. And this comes from Jesus Take the Wheel on Discord. Do we know if Jesus would be able to drive? I mean, there were no cars at the time. So if you gave him the wheel, like that, you could be putting your life in danger. I mean, I, I guess if you're the son of God, you just figure out how to drive. But th- that's, you know. That, I'm going to leave this annoying. one alone, Elliot, before, you know, before our mentions, before, you know how shit gets. I, I mean, we are we are approaching Easter. We may yeah. see, you know, Jesus driving down the 405 in L.A. or something. Is that a, That's a highway in L.A., isn't it? Um, okay. Well, 
I, I what, take the 427, cut across to the 10, because I'm Jesus and a guy. Very, very inside LA humor for two people that don't live in LA or know it. Uh, he asks, it, well, presuming Jesus takes wheels of he, uh, is Balogun's season in League One just a sign of France being a, quote, farmer's league, or is he coming good on all the hype? If it's the latter, where does he fit in our squad next season? I mean, I mean, what do you do with that? Um, I think it can be all of that. I mean, I've seen a lot of his goals, and like <laughs> the 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 players on the other team um, are doing funny things. Goalkeepers, defenders. On the other hand, doesn't mean Balogun isn't doing the real deal on his side of it. Um, I think he needs one more year on loan at a top side in the French league, or. Pe- of course, potentially in the Premier League, then we'd really know. Um, like, I do think he's for real. How good he is, uh, time will tell. And on the, you know, selling one of the two players and stuff, the thing about that is 30 million or whatever. One of those guys hits big, and I know we have a lot more data on on Eddie. Those are 60, 70 million players, 80 million, like, uh, I think we have an idea. If you say 72 million, I'm kicking you off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's been done. An English striker who's who's really knocking it out of the park, who maybe isn't the perfect idea of a striker at Arsenal, but is somewhere else. So, like, uh, I don't think Balogun is – we've got four competitions next year. That's the Would only thing. Do you accept thing. American striker, given that there are rumors that he is getting ready to potentially declare for the U.S. men's team? I don't know. What's that do for his value? Uh, uh, probably probably tanks it, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, I did, but I'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, there, there's so much potential there. Balogun's ceiling is infinite because we haven't seen – we don't have all the data yet, but, I mean – he could be huge and huge in value. I think he needs one more year on loan on a in a tougher gig, uh, and then bring him back in. I think Eddie's been so tested and trained within the system that, and we're going to have four competitions we go for next year as opposed to going for one this year. Um, I think we're going to keep Eddie around for one more year. Um, we probably need another option though. There probably is enough bandwidth to bring in Balogun, but I, I still think the best thing for Balogun is not to be the third or fourth or fifth option for us, but to have a really good loan. That's that's the medium long term for Arsenal. Prove out Balogun in the field, then bring him back in or markedly uh, risk that his ceiling is greatly inflated as we go along. But 30 million, no thank you for either one of them. Those, If we're not getting 50 million above offers, we shouldn't be thinking about Eddie or Balogun to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Clive, we're going to stay on player evaluation because I think it's one of the areas that you can actually contribute something to the podcast. So uh, <laughs> You don't get much stick about player evaluation, do we? I mean, crikey. No, no, I, no, I no like never. Yeah. Ask me my opinion on X player, and I will find you someone who hates it. Uh, Dr. Sandesh Gulain, MSP, at Sandesh Gulain. Uh, if you need a doctor, by the way, I would re- strongly recommend. I think Dr. that's Sandesh Robert Goulet's brother, actually. Uh, no, spelled differently. Um, he asks, would Mason Mount be a good signing for Arsenal? I can only do it based on what I see. 
And I was at Stamford Bridge this season and I couldn't see him. He was just a dot on the pitch being run over by us on all different angles. I think he looks, he stands in a part of the pitch that we look at, but I don't think he offers enough for me. Um, I don't think he offers enough defensively. And he's sharp around the box. He's got sharp decisions, sharp shooter off both feet. Classic E-Triple-P Academy player. I can shoot with both feet. I can dribble with both feet. I can cross with both feet. I can do a little bit defensively. I can do a lot attacking-wise. But for me, that's not what I think we need. I think we need a bigger body in that position, in my opinion. The more serious you get, the quieter you get. And I'm convinced it's a tactic you've used in your life to get people to really concentrate on listening to you. So by the end of that, it was like it was like putting my daughter to sleep. It was, it was <laughs> so intense. Oh my God, the intensity. Um, okay, I, I think that's interesting. Um, there's so many of these questions that I think what I'm just going to do, gosh, I want to find, I want to find the one that I really like, but essentially there were a lot of combined 11 questions. So I'm going to apologize to people who I'm not naming individually, but Paul, give me a combined 11 or alternatively, is there anyone in the invincibles for you from this side? What's your invincibles and this season combined 11 look like? Is it just the invincibles? Anyone getting in? Where are you at with that? Uh, yeah. So, it's a little bit where this team there's a little bit of projection here. Like Saliba could play in our in our Invincibles ahead of Toure. Um Lauren uh was great for us. I could see White in there. Or Zinchenko if we were doing that kind of thing. Uh uh I think you could get Thomas Party in there as the DM. Oh boy, you just you just turned Clive into the incredible incredible Hulk here. He just went from Doctor whatever Bannister is that his name to, to the Hulk. Yeah, can you imagine Party and Vieira in midfield? You're you're replacing Gilberto. Oh. Yeah, yeah, just for the extra not ahead of part not ahead of of uh, Vieira. I mean, ridiculous. Uh, and sack ahead of Lungberg for sure. Yeah, um, sack ahead of Jungberg, I, I can definitely see. I think you want to put Saliba in there somewhere, but that's, I mean, could you put Saliba in for Torre? I would. I mean, I'm projecting a little bit on where Saliba's going. Don't get me wrong. He, he, but, like, that's the problem with our team. Like, there's... They've all, in a sense, just arrived. But like Zinchenko's better than Cole at what Zinchenko does, but he's not better than Cole at what Cole does. No, I mean they're 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 different, right? Four four two is hard. It's hard to say. Like, let's put it this way. All right, let let me. I'm going to ask you this way, Clive. Combined eleven, invincibles in the current team, but Arteta is the manager, and you're playing this season's football. Uh, and can I just, just before that, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm not trying to get players who would work in any particular system. I'm just saying, you know, the fact that Zinchenko wouldn't have worked in their team and Cole is not quite the right fullback 
for our system. I, I'm just talking about the quality they bring to their team. It doesn't have to perfectly no. work. Yeah, yeah. No, anyway, I, I want to do this. I want to throw this to you, Clive, in this specific way. You have to answer it in this way, and you have a great track record of doing just that. So that, that should work great. Um, <laughs> a combined 11 for Arteta to manage in this season's system. How about this, right? A combined 11 to play the last 10 games of this season. There you go. Yeah, that's it's, it's, that's it's a, it's the It's a rubric. tough one. Who, who said that question? Is that Elliot? <laughs> I think... Um, well, the last one, yes, but there's like 40 questions about Invincibles versus... Yeah, versus so I, I, try to, I try to summarize it because I think if I look at the back four, I, I'm not taking Lauren and Cole out of there for me. I just... Just can't. So you play Arteta's system the last ten games of the season. I'm, with Lauren I'm just and Cole looking at the, I'm looking at two yeah. teams because if it's Arteta's system, I, I, then then there's a lot of the majority. Of, well, then we are, then that's different because now I'm gonna I'm gonna invert a fullback. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the situation totally different, and I'm gonna have the system yes, that we have today. And I, I I think it's I'm gonna take it back a little bit. I I do think there's a shout for Big Gabby to play one of the centre-backs, left centre-back with Sol Campbell as right centre-back. I would do something like that. I think that is a strong centre-back partnership. And I would put mm. Saka into the team on the right-hand side of the Lundberg. And if I, if you're asking the question as you first meant it, that's what I would do. Because and they're the two players that I would that I would get in. Colatore was amazing for us, but he was repurposed that season. That, season. that was his yeah. first season as centre-back. I think mm-hmm. Big Gabby is, is a tremendous centre back, and that the right foot left foot combination there would be tremendous in in the back door. And just for for the sake of look what we have achieved, we have achieved once in a hundred year achievement. Then that's how I'd respect that team, and I'd leave everything else exactly the same. Now, if you're talking system wise and how we'd use it, that's a that's a longer answer, right? And that's um, because Lauren, for example, was the midfielder when he arrived. He could invert on the right-hand side, and we could push Ashley Cole further forward on the left-hand side, and he can do something like that. So there are options. It's a, it's a, it's a di- tactical discussion. Does Gilberto work as a six in this system? I think he probably does, like Fabinho at Liverpool. That's a quite good analogy for him. Um, and then you look at your eights, eight slightly different, you know, and so would Dennis Burkamp be one of the eights? Would he be someone to play off the side? You know, that's again, that role completely changes. You know, you'd look at it differently. So Robert Pires is there all the time, right? And obviously the, the bloke up front's pretty decent, so he'd always play. So there's it, it, a longer discussion to have, but I, that's what I would do on your original question, mate. Those two would definitely come in for me. Elliot, Odegaard or Bergkamp? Because it's Bergkamp in 2004, who was still great. He, but, was he a but, starter for... Yeah, but... How, how many games But did he didn't play all the games. Yeah. I guess it was him and him and he was also... Was was it Reyes came in there, I guess? Because uh, it was 4-4-2. So... Uh, yeah, all right. It was so, 4-4-1-1, really. Or 4 one Yeah, yeah it, it, it yeah. flipped around. It flipped around. Yeah, I mean, Berg, Berg, you still have to count Bergkamp. I guess... um. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you my combined 11 in Arteta's current system. <clears throat> Ramsdale, I think, is an easy choice. I, that's just me. I, like, I appreciate everything Lehman did. I, I don't know. It, is, he, is he that good? Was Lehman that good? It would be crazy. He had his days where you wish he had done that Maybe I just can't forgive thing. him for Paris. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go Ramsdale. Uh, I think... 
I will go Lauren Saliba Cole Zinchenko because I can't again I'm picking this team this I'm season. Got, I've only got one center back. What? No, he said uh, Cole or sorry. I, I said I saw Saliba and, and, and Saul. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're on mute, so now I can't hear your confirmation of no. my excellent choice. Uh, at the base, I would go Thomas Party. Woohoo. Um, and then I would go Jacka. No, no, God, no. <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm going to go Bergkamp and Vieira at the eights. What do you think yeah. of that? Vieira like in that. the Shaka role. That would be insane. I mean, he'd be so good there. Because he, he can he can go box to box, but I think around the box he'd be a nightmare to deal with his close control. Um now I gotta pick the front three. I mean, it's obviously Thierry Henry, it's obviously Robert Perez, and I think it's Bakayo Saka. Um I'm not sure, I, sure they suit our system. Thierry Henry <laughs> suits every si- I mean, I'd play him at left back and play him at center back. Thierry Henry's the greatest player I've ever watched play football, period. Um uh, like, and don't give me your Messi or Ronaldo. Those guys are bums compared to him. Um, so I think I'd do that. Now, look, leaving Odegaard out of the team, really, really tough. But Dennis Bergkamp is, a, you know, a god, a legend. But in 2004, uh, Bergkamp, who was still great, he was still great, but he wasn't. He was on the downslope. A <clears throat> little sure. bit, teeny bit. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, it's much closer than one assumes. I, I mean, you could do this. You could go PV4 uh, at... At, in the bay at the base, right? Take out party, go with Vieira, and then you could go uh, Odegaard and Bergkamp. I don't know. You, about you score Vieira a at the million base. goals. Yeah, you score. Well, uh, Vieira can do everything. Party does, in my view. Um, uh, well, anyway. Um, so, so then I think the Perez <laughs> thing is pretty easy, right? I mean, he's he's probably underrated. One of the greatest players in the history of the league. Um, no one can play that position quite like he can. I, I love uh, Gabby Martinelli, obviously. Love Trissard. You could make an argument for Jesus playing on one of the wings, but not over Perez. And and you could make an argument for Jesus over Yunberg, but not over Saka. So like, <clears throat> and and it is really harsh on Yunberg what we're doing here. But I just love Saka. <laughs> you got the heart wants what the heart wants. I I, I think. I think that's probably where I'd go. And if you wanted to go big Gabby with Saul, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to move Gabby to the right. So you'd move, moving Saul to right center back. It's something like that. I, I think the most interesting things you could do is you could have the two eights be Odegaard and Bergkamp with, with Vieira at the back, or you could have party at the base like he is now with Bergkamp and Vieira, which I'd, I'd love to see Vieira play the eight in our tennis system. Just be a really interesting thing to see. And given uh, that we're, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm just thinking if you're going to change the center back, you put in Saliba. I know it's the wrong side, but we need a little latitude here because he's just. That's what I did. Yeah. It's not so the right great side. on the ball. Um, and, and Saul, not quite so much. Um, and that's why I think it has to be Saliba over Gabby. Uh, Gabby's pretty good on the ball, don't get me wrong, but he's he's kind of Saul-like, and I think we want that contrast there. Um, but, yeah, and, and like, you know... Uh, the disrespect like, uh, is huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but to make Vier it is interesting... Not coming out of the team. He's not coming gotta, out of the team for me. I mean, he's he's not coming out of the team for me. Yeah, no we we got to take away the status of the Invincibles to have a conversation on it. Otherwise, it's right. no. We just play the Invincibles. True, Saka. Sure. 
No, quite, I just think uh, that's fine. Uh, hey, look, it's an opinion, it's right? There's no, yep. as I said, the disrespect yeah, yeah. is huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. we need some disrespect I, I think, to, to yeah, get anywhere with it. The only it. thing I would caveat is um, we're judging this on this season, a lot of this, these current feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is I don't know was it twenty odd games, you know. So um, hey, it's, it's all good. It's all good. it's all part of yes, the fun. Yes, this right? recency bias is a war crime. Don't get me wrong, Clive. Like you, you can't get a worse case of recency bias over. But then on the other hand, we're fighting against legends in the debate. So you you got to have oh, football, massive football. disrespect. In fact, we can even it. have this discussion. Yeah. And yes. We'll, we'll soon know <laughs> how it how it goes down. <laughs> well, the fact crazy. That we can have this discussion. It tells you how much football has changed. It also yeah. tells us how our understanding of football has changed. When I was in other stadiums watching those Invincibles, and they were seen as unique. You know, having centre mids that size, having the size of team that we had, you know, yeah. having a centre forward didn't stand in the position of centre forward. This was all new, you know? This was massively new. Having the left pod where the left fullback was never at home. This this was new stuff at the time, right? So, and football is now, we look at our centre-backs. I look at Sol Campbell and Colo Torre. I mean, they couldn't trap a bag of cement. They were, they, but they won us the league because no one could run past them. The game has changed. We didn't have a situation where you can play the ball out in your penalty area and build up play. You booed it to the half end line and started from there. So the whole game about build-up has changed. So that's why I think it's a massive discussion to have about the changes in football to the current day, the rule changes, versus what we're seeing, sorry, current day versus what we saw back in the day. Yeah, and interesting, by the way, uh, Bergkamp started 21 games in the Invincible season. So, yeah, just an interesting point of reference there. I got three really, really tough ones to hit you with. Three really tough ones. Actually, a fourth. Can I throw in a fourth interesting one? And then I'm going to get hit you with three really tough ones. You ready? Here's number one. If you had to choose between growing your privates, the hair around your privates, down to your knees, or shaving it off with a Manscaped tool, which would you choose? I think it's easy. Personally, I'd choose Manscaped. And that's right. We're talking about our friends at Manscaped with the performance package 4.0. Okay, it's not my best, not my best transition, but it's a transition nonetheless. I'm still chewing on the question, no pun intended. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But if I had yeah. hair down to my knees, there are certain women who'd be just I, like No, there aren't. No, mm-mm, Don't you know what? The, the world has changed since you were last out there. If you <laughs> if you need to have a good laugh, by the way, go go look up the Twitter thread. You don't want to be out there. Uh, by a guy who wrote to a famous basketball coach who was breaking up with his wife. And this guy was trying to explain why that older gentleman does not want to be out there anymore and how it has changed out there. It is one of the great Twitter threads of all time. There's a quote in there that I won't repeat on this podcast, but it, it, just look it up. You don't want to be out there. It's pretty funny. Um, but you do want to be clean below the waist. And the way you do that is with the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. That's right. Uh, when you go to manscaped.com and use code ArsenalVision, you get 20% off free shipping. Uh, and over 8 million men have trusted this product. So what do you get with the performance package 4.0? You get the Lawnmower 4.0, which is the best purpose-built trimmer I have ever used. Um, it, it's wet, dry. You use it in the shower. Look, this is the dumb thing about this whole advertising nonsense. At the end of the day, you either need a product or you don't. If you go in the shower and there's an old razor sitting there and you've been using that to trim, like 
you need this product. If you're using something that can't go in the shower and you're trying to clean up clippings like off your floor, you need this product. It goes in the shower. It works great. It has skin-safe technology. has a long battery life. It's got a wireless charger. You know, you just put it in the cradle and it charges. You'll also get the weed whacker for ears and nose hair. You'll get all the deodorant and toner stuff. You'll get the boxer briefs and the travel bag. Do it. Get it. You know you need it. So, so just freaking finally do it if you haven't already. It's Arsenal Vision is the code. Manscaped.com. Use promo code Arsenal Vision. 20% off and free shipping. Now, once you've got your privates cleaned up, you are in the perfect position to start your online business with Shopify. That's right. Shopify is the tool for building your business. Are you a baker? Are you a shirt maker? Are you an artist? Do you have a product that you designed? Do you just want to, you know, do a dropship business? Do you have a large business and you're trying to figure out a way to up your game on e-commerce? What's great about Shopify is, first of all, it is the backbone of most of the e-commerce you find on the internet, period. There's 24-7 support. It's super easy to use. You can plug it into your Instagram, to your Facebook, to your TikTok, sell on all social media platforms. You can embed videos and pictures and stuff so it looks beautiful. They take care of payment processing. They take care of shipping. They take care of taxes. They do everything for you. So all you got to do is sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash arsenalvision, all lowercase. I don't know why, but that's what they say. Go to shopify.com slash arsenalvision to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. We are almost there, guys. I promise. Because the last thing you need to know, in fact, someone on Twitter just asked me for the promo code for this the other day. Athletic Greens has the best supplement you'll take. It's AG1, and it does a bit of everything for energy, for rest and recovery, for gut health, which is why I started taking it, for um, anti-aging. What it is, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, adaptogens. It's a it, basically a small biome in there in your gut, and it's going to give you those probiotics you need as well. Um, I had a shelf full of gummies. Let's First of all, what was I spending on it? The sugar I was getting, the, the nothing I, that was actually getting into my body, got rid of it, take AG1 instead. Uh, you put a scoop in water every day, and you drink it down. That's it. Um, there's so many things to like about AG1. Uh, it is keto, vegan, paleo, all of the, you know, um, different, uh, nutritional lifestyles that you may be following. It's going to be healthy for that minimal sugar. So you can do it, uh, every day. Great for recovery, as I said. So if you're trying to get fit, uh, as an athlete, that's where it was started, right? By athletes for athletes. So you can use that. Here's what you need to do. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out. Indeed. Get it. Just your average, <laughs> everyday, run-of-the-mill ad read from yours truly. Now, back to the nonsense. You guys ready for the nonsense? Oh, yeah. Clive, one word answer. One word answer. You cannot do anything else. I will literally mute you if you do anything else. This comes from Bo. Bo Buckland. Yes or no only. Will we win the league? Oh, dear. <laughs> That's already not one word. Um, yes. Paul, will we win the league? Yes. Elliot, will we win the league? One word answer. One word answer. <laughs> yes. 
scared can I, just can I delay it. my answer okay. till after international break? Well, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> no kidding. Um, okay, let's do this then. Um, I got I got really good ones. These are we're we're into the land of some really really good questions. Um, this one comes from Craigenwa. Given that we all said yes, when we win the title, where will it rank, Clive? Where will it rank? Put it in the in the pantheon of title winning. I don't just mean at Arsenal. I mean the let's just because you know football started when the Premier League was invented. There was no football prior to that. Where will it rank in the pantheon when we win the title? For me, it will be up there with 1989, and the reason being, I I feel a lot of similarities. It's in the Premier League in '89, so does that count? I don't yeah, think that well, title counts. Football yeah. hadn't been invented yet, and and I, and I do think. And why did I say that? I do think the. I know it sounds a little bit um, corporate, but how you feel on the journey, and the journey that you've gone through, I think really dictates the feelings that you're having right now. And I was having a discussion yesterday with some people I'm working on a project with that this is as good as I've ever felt about Arsenal and we haven't won anything. And we thought about the Invincibles and we won a lot of big games. Um, I've seen quite a lot of finals, fortunate enough to be in some big game finals, semi-finals, Wembley finals, European finals, and I've been lucky enough to be there. And... I feel as positive about Arsenal today as I have done in my entire Arsenal watching life. And we've achieved zero. So the journey has got to be the thing that makes you feel that way. The people that you share that journey with, the reach. When I was going back in the 80s, you just went to the game with your mates. There was no there was no nod to the global fan base. There was no nod there was no interweb. There was no. Um, there was just not. There was not the same connectivity amongst people, and so for me, this is probably as good as it gets, and and that's why it rates that high for me because of the people you share it with. Yeah, um, I think we're all go with this, and, and Paul obviously give you a chance to answer it as well. If I had to think of like the greatest of all. There's the Invincibles because they did something no one's ever done. I'm just going to go through the Premier League era, right? And I really can't speak before that because while I was at Anfield in 89, I wasn't following Arsenal yet at that point. Um, I was just one of the two million people that were at Anfield. The thing with the Invincibles... You were rooting for Liverpool. Oh, you asshole. Um, the, the Invincibles... The Invincibles were the culmination. Arson had called his shot prior to that. He said, I think a team can go unbeaten. He kind of knew he could do it. We expected great things of that team. It was the culmination of that project. So that's number one. That's the most impressive thing that's been done. You probably have to put a Centurion in there, right? City getting 100 points. There's probably a, didn't a Chelsea team like concede like six goals all season or something like that? One of the Mourinho Chelsea's. The Leicester team is up there. Now, the Leicester team is a tough one for me because their point total wasn't particularly impressive. Everybody else just sucked that season, but them doing it at all is, you probably have to put it right behind the Invincibles, if I'm being biased, some people put it ahead of it, as one of the great achievements ever in the Premier League. 
we're in that cluster if we do this. Because first of all, the youngest team in the league will have to achieve around 92, 93, maybe even 94 points. So we're going to have more points potentially than the Invincibles had with the youngest team in the league. Coming from fifth, coming from nowhere, doing it with this young team, with this manager who's new to the game, I think it's up there. Liverpool, I feel for, because if it weren't for City, Liverpool would have some of the teams in the Pantheon. But I have a hard time putting their title win up there because they did it during the no-fans era with the Project Restart. There's, I, I hate it for them. I don't. But there's probably an asterisk there. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that one. I'm going to say, if you take City's best team, maybe Mourinho's best team, the Invincibles and Leicester... <laughs> This is in that cluster for me, Paul. It, you know, I'm not going to put it ahead of those necessarily, but it's in, it's in that cluster. Is that the cluster of elite Premier League wins in your view? Yeah. Uh, like the Invincible season is above all for, uh, because of the achievement, because of the team, because of the build to that. Um, but after that, like... The Chelsea story, you can go back and take apart and say the football wasn't that great. Uh, they, throwed, they threw just a boatload of money at it. What we're doing, outside of the Invincibles, what we're doing is just incredible. I mean, what, what Pep Guardiola has done is phenomenal too, basically getting your... But like, there's something also not incredible about it because it's... Is kind of a Galacticos approach. Loads of it's not really Galacticos, but uh, investment over a decade and a half building to something. It's like it just and like getting in Pep Guardiola is a cheat code, and like there's so many things about it that just manufactured. And this thing, a manager in his first job ever, coming back to his own club uh, with a bunch of kids. With okay, we spent money, quite a bit of money, but not in this day and age. It's not it. The investment in the compete and the level that this league is at. What you need to do against Man City with Pep Guardiola, who've just brought in this colossus of a goal-scoring machine, the most prized player in the world, Haaland, and we're ahead of them. Uh like this is just absolute, and the reset, and the fact that it's a bunch of kids who weren't at the club two years ago, and last year were like being written off, but managed you called a bunch of bottlers, and like they weren't up to it, and like a bunch of kids, and weren't even in the top four for most pundits for this season, etc., etc., etc. I mean, Leicester won I- incredible story, but in a year when literally nobody else showed up. Now. A number of clubs chose not to show up this year, but City showed up. We're still, we still got to get to a 90-plus point season. I mean, it's just incredible. Youngest team in the league. I know Southampton, but like that doesn't count. They're about to leave the league. Um, and youngest manager, uh, not quite by one, but basically youngest manager, um, just abs- and brilliant football. It's not like brilliant football on its day, but that, but with a glass jaw or poor defensively, a balanced, complete, brilliant team with brilliant football from nowhere, uh, no stars, no big names. Um, it's just like, the, there was no cheating with this. 
There was no like going out and buying the player and the manager and the and throwing shit loads of money. Yeah, we spent money, but like we we did spend a lot of money. <laughs> we did, but fair. it's not it, no. I, I know in this day and age, for a top four team, our expenditure. Uh, if you throw away the players we had to get rid of and the money we didn't get for them when we got rid of them, like our expenditure versus other squads. Sure. I guess what I'd say is I don't think you have to hand wave the spending to add credibility to the project. Like what we didn't do is we, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know what I'm but saying? But I'm like, positioning it against Chelsea and against what City right. have done for a decade and a half. Right. Yeah. Like the expenditure You know what there. I was trying to do? I was trying to remove, because look, if we're being, if we're going to look at it that way, then you just, eliminate city and chelsea from the conversation right well no i, I, I mean to- it's i wouldn't eliminate it but it's a big factor in the comparison of what we're doing versus them uh, so i'm not going to eliminate them i'm saying after the invincible season th- this is we we've had expenditure but like compared to what's gone into the bill I, for city is- this is going to teeter into into tedium. So I agree with you. It, fundamentally, we are in agreement here. So let, yeah. let's 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 achieve agreement. I totally agree with you in the way that you've positioned it. I was just trying to because some inevitably someone's going to say this Arsenal team has spent as much as everybody but City in the last two seasons. So fair enough. Um, okay. So the the next question I think is a really pressing one. Probably should have gotten to it sooner. But Stevie Mo on Discord asks Clive. Would you prefer to see someone like Walters come in and get an opportunity for the spare minutes at right back as opposed to having used party in that role? Thoughts on right back at the moment generally? Mm. Um, I think um, it depends on the game state. It really does. Walters is a impressive player. The youth level he plays at centre-back actually because he's, he's grown quite a lot. He's physically changing. Will he be a centre-back or a right-back? Again, to be seen... You know, hopefully, unlike the weekend, we got people on the pitch at 4-1. Maybe we can do that for him and have a look at him in, in the shorts and on grass in the near future. He's definitely physical enough and he's well thought of in the club. So, let's see. Um, big Ben White fans, all of us. So, just tick that one off, should we? Because I think he's been excellent. I think it's improving by the week. Tommy Asif, people have got doubts about because every time we need him, he gets injured, um, which is a, which is a shame. But I like his versatility. Mm. I really like him as a as a as a player. And what we do in the future, um, the couple of links. There's one guy called Ivan Fresneda, real sociedad. Looks quite nice, quite a physical. Eighteen year old though. What does that mean for for Rural Waters? What does that mean for Brooke Norton Cuffey? What does that mean for the squad? What messages it send? We bring another eighteen year old in when you have a you know. Young, young England players, shall we say, on the England track in, within your squad. That doesn't make a, people what would worry about that potentially. Um, there's, a, there's also another little shout for um, Carl Walker Peters at Southampton. You know, Southampton mm. do, do go down. I think it's a very impressive player and um, one that Spurs should not have sold. So that's another that's another rumor that's out there. Interesting what but we what do would there. You do now. Like, let's say Ben White, for some reason, like, you know, like, gets a bellyache and, you know, he's, he's got a tummy ache. He can't play for one game. Like, what, are you just going right to party or do you want to no, leave? No, I'll go to everyone else but party. That's what I would do as well. Amen. I would go to everyone else. I didn't enjoy that. That involves too much sprinting in wide spaces for me. Why would you do that to the player that's got glass Amen. thighs? Right? So, 
So I know he's done it before, but that's when he was that was five years ago. So I'm not interested. We've in that. sent him to Ghana with an armed guard, but people want to play him at at right full back. It's fucking crazy talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. So I've got a couple of thoughts. I mean, I would. I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't bother me. He's paid Rob Holding there or Saliba there. I'd rather do that than because you're looking at the you know centre backs that can play wide. It depends. On, it depends on the game state at what time in the game. And I've said this before. I think I've said this before. I got deja vu. But I, I always remember watching Reese Nelson play right wing back, and I thought he was excellent at it. I think he's defensively sound. I think he's diligent. He he can get up and down, but that was back in the day when I was comparing him to Hector Bellerin, you know. And, and we don't use the right back in that that way any longer. But he's something that I would definitely think about. Kieran Tierney has played right back the odd time for Scotland, but I haven't got a good view of it in my mind to say it's a workable a workable option. But again, it depends what's on the game. So I need to see that one. I, I, the way Kieran Tierney moves his hips, I just think he's such a left footer. <laughs> I just think he, I just can't see it in my mind, Elliot. So, but Reese Nelson one, I, I don't dismiss that one. Again, depends on the game state, and I think he can make it work if we had to. I, I'd use Tierney there. I, I and I know it's not. Look, you're choosing bad options. So instead of telling me why that option won't work, tell me what option works better. I'm not going with Walters. I'm not throwing a kid with no experience into a fullback position in a title challenge run-in. It's not fair to the kid. It's not fair to the team. I wouldn't do it. I'm not moving party. So now I'm into the best of bad options. First of all, if you put Tierney on the right, the one thing it forces him to not do is spam crosses because he can't spam crosses with his right. So maybe he has to be a little bit more, you know, uh, short passes, little stab balls, little little underlaps, things like that. He can run the touchline. He can defend. I think the other thing is, the right back position right now is a less technical position, a less tactical position than left back. Trying to ask Kieran, Kieran Tierney to play like Zinchenko actually seems like less of a fit to me than trying to ask Kieran Tierney to play like Ben White. Look at how Ben White played against Palace. Kind of fullbacky. I think Tierney can do the Ben White role more than he can do the Zinchenko role. Don't don't give me the left foot, right foot stuff. He can't play Saka in three yards with his right foot. He can do it. He can defend. He can run the touchline. Put him at right back. It's not a great fit. It's better than moving party. It's it's not as tactical a position as left back is right now. Honestly, I'd rather see him at right back than left back. That That's where I'm at with that. Uh, I have a question for you, Paul, unless you have a, a strong take on how we should handle right back. By the way, obviously Ben White should play right back every game for the rest of the season. If he doesn't, I'll be furious with him. So he needs to think about that carefully. But do you, do you have a strong feeling about this? I mean, obviously you expressed that you have the strong feeling not to move Thomas Party, but anything else? Uh, Nelson will be a really interesting thing to see yeah. given given a reduced role being told to simplify his game not as a wing back uh, but like here's what we want you to do for the next two games Tierney uh, but what I, I did want to come back to the Rule Walters thing uh, not because I think he should play or whatever but it is interesting that they took him on the trip uh, in the summer and that <clears throat> He's back in the mix here. So the one the one thing I wanted to say is he must be a serious young fellow who you can have around this squad and knows how to carry himself, which is a big deal with these young guys. You Like a lot of them, they're just little kids. Um, so maybe in terms of his future going forward, maybe there's something there beyond just his footballing. Anyway. Can you imagine though, like 
the first Premier League minutes you've ever played are at St. James Park with a three-point lead in the title. Like, I know fair doesn't come into it in professional sport. Like, if you're the best option, you're the best option. But, like, it's just, yeah, it doesn't Many's the glorious um, career that started that way. But, yeah, I agree. Could be, yeah, to be fair. It, that could also launch a career. Uh, Paul, stay with you for a second. Gavesh27 on Discord. How long would you like to keep Shaka? And if we win the Premier League, how should he be remembered in this Arsenal era, considering all the good and bad things? Yikes. Um, well, he, if we win the Premier League, he should be considered like all those other guys. Like, they'll be kind of legends in the making. I mean, and he what an He definitely hits legend status, right? Like, yeah. if, if we win the Premier League and he starts 36 Premier League games in a team that wins the Premier League in a shocking fashion as the sort of captain without the armband, you have to give him legend status. I don't see how you avoid it. Yeah, he's here for seven years. He's about to hit 300 games. He averages 3,400 to 3,500 minutes a year for the club. I mean, how do you not end up in some some version of legend? I don't mean a statue outside, but but so will other players in this. Um, what was the other part of the question? Uh, the other part of the question, hang on, let me get it back here. Um, how long would you like to keep Shaka? Uh, and the reason I asked so this particular James question is we had a lot of Shaka role. questions. Yeah, yeah well, so so because the, the only thing I was going to say is this obviously leads into the avalanche of Declan Rice questions and what we yeah, do yeah. with the left eight. So how about, yeah, go where you were going with this, then Clive can give us uh, some left eight stuff. Yeah, yeah. There was a, the narrative used to be about uh, Shaka was he was too much of a whatever to be in a team where he has to get let let party take the kind of the central role in midfield and he can't party partner with party. And then, you know, he's not going to like having to share time with this, that, and the other, and it being pushed to this position. And like, he's actually shown he's one of the most up for it players in our team. Um, and I think his, his, the downside of his time at Arsenal could be in more of a Milner role. And, uh, okay, they're quite different. And Milner's, I think, more flexible. But they both have in them that they played basically every position in midfield and left back, and he'll always do a job. And we're going to be in four competitions for the next few years, and we're going to take Champions League seriously. And he's built like a truck and goes forever. And he's not quick, but he's actually not slow. Uh, outside of his feet, uh, and he can just go and go and go. Uh, so I think he transitions into kind of uh, that role in a team, which every manager wants one of them, one Milner across his team. Yeah, Clive, I I have to tell you, I have allowed two potentially incompatible thoughts to enter my mind. One is, I think Granite Shack is a critical component of this team. That is a big reason why we are where we are, and we probably wouldn't be there without him. And if we win it, he becomes a club legend. All things, con- I mean, the first club legend to have thrown the armband to the ground and been booed off, but he gets that status and the remontada and the way he's been brought back into the fold is beautiful. I can hold in my head that he becomes a legend and we don't do this without him and also hold the seemingly incompatible opinion in my head that he's the clearest available area to upgrade in the squad. A lot of questions about, and I'm not going to pick any one of them out because they're they're all basically some variety of, is Declan Rice the signing we need this summer? Will he play left eight? Is left eight the next place we upgrade? Who's the left eight we should go get? 
I don't think it's incompatible to adore Shaka and what he's doing right now and still think that's the clearest of the first 11 areas that we can upgrade. Is that fair in your view? Uh, I think the, the centre midfield area is one to look at based on the age profile of of, of those players, El Nenny, mm-hmm. Jorginho, Party, and Shaka. So we need somebody in there in their 24, 25 range and maybe need one even younger than that. Right, so to come into that group, and maybe one or two need to think about the the exit door in time. Well, what I will say is, um, I have the same thoughts around Shaka, but I have the same thoughts around Shaka probably in certain parts of the pitch when he has to do something ultra creative, and the picture goes, or the boots a bit heavy, and he goes out for a goal kick. And then if I look at the game state and suddenly we're drawing or a goal behind, that stays in my mind. The other stuff that doesn't stay in my mind is when other players are under pressure and he's there for a wall pass. He's heading stuff out of the box when he's scoring on third-man runs, when he's shifting out wide, when other players shift inside to make sure that we create space so we can run through lines. All that stuff is just part of the system, air quotes, and we don't attribute that to him. We attribute things to him that he can't do easily. But they all make the team. And the reason why we're all sitting and smiling, wondering about what we're going to do May 28th, he's part of that discussion. And so for me, I think we need to add somebody in, like a Declan Rice, who can play the Shaka role, but can play the the six role as well. And so you create new combinations, because we all know one thing, there's the top three boys in our centre mid, and we know that works. The next layer is not present at Arsenal Football Club. We have Fabio Vieira, who's you know a young player, still developing, joined injured, is just learning about this league. We have older players as backups in the six and the potentially the eight. So we need to create the next, we need six, don't we? We need six for three. And at the moment, we don't have that at the right level for me. So just develop that area and let the combinations develop themselves. And But I do think versatility is, is a good way to create depth. And if Shaka has to change his role as a 31-year-old, he doesn't mean he's not valuable, but he may not be three times in eight days valuable. But that, that that role change could apply to other players, and that's what we have to get to if we get where we want to get to next season, playing in the big boy competition, etc. You want to watch Match of the Day and you're not in England, there's one way you can do it with a VPN. If you're in England and you want to watch maybe some of the football coverage that's available in other places, not available in yours, again, a VPN can help. There's lots of times you want to use a VPN to browse in other locations when you're traveling, but you also want to do it to be safe, to be private, And NordVPN is absolutely the best way to do that. It is the VPN of choice. You can use it on your phones, on your tablets, on your computers. One click of an app button on your phone and boom, you're browsing in another location. You're browsing completely privately. They have threat detection. So if there's malware trying to be installed on your device, threat protection kicks in, deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Okay? So I better get the creator code right here. Is it Arsenal Vision or is it just Vision? Should have checked that ahead of time, but let's just see. What do you guys think it is? Do you think it's Vision or Arsenal Vision? Um, 
It's not vision. It's Arsenal vision. Good. There, we figured it out. So you made the mistake. You made the mistake that you actually think me and Tim listen to you. I mean, (laughs) no, no, no. Don't worry. No one else is either. It's all good. Uh, Just don't tell the sponsors. Uh, NordVPN is world class protection, privacy, and allows you to browse globally. Um, Look, here's what you're going to get: a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can try it. If you don't like it, great. You can pretend it never happened. You're going to go to nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision to get your subscription today. Okay? You're going to get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. That's nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision. Please, whatever you do, do that. It's a good point because we did have a lot of questions, Clive, about how we get to be a team that can compete on two fronts next season. Um, we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. I didn't want to overemphasize transfer stuff in this episode because I can't get my head into the summer space just yet. There are two quick hitters I want to hit really quickly, though. Uh, one is from Bobby's Steely Gaze on Discord. Is Conte's Ladzitz Tottenham press conference the greatest press conference in the history of the Premier League? Yes. Yeah, it is. It's it's the greatest. There is no greater one. It's the greatest. The other one is from ZC, ZC on the Discord. Now, I want everyone to listen to this carefully. I want you to hear my words. If you can hear my voice right now, I want you to internalize this. Given the expectations going into the season, would you be happy finishing second? (laughs) No. No. None of us will be. Don't try to protect yourself. You won't be happy. You will be absolutely abjectly miserable for weeks and potentially months and maybe even years. Just be prepared for that. Emotionally, you will be miserable. I just want to make sure everybody is aware that there is no possibility whatsoever you will be happy if we finish second. Now, will you feel that it was a good season? Different question. Probably. Will you be happy? Not a chance. Pause. There's two ways to come second. I agree with your premise, by the way. Uh, all this let's let's enjoy it stuff. Yeah, all right. But post-talk, after the fact, looking back, you're going to be fucking miserable if we blow it. But there's two ways to come second. One is by us being really good, but getting pipped by a team that won every game. By us going to the Etihad and outplaying them, but getting screwed over by a referee who, you know, there's two ways to come second. And they're very, very different. If we fall off, tail off, uh, have Gary Neville out there saying we bottled it, as opposed to we got pipped at the post. Two very, very ways, different ways of being miserable. One in which you feel hopeful and proud and like but just on the day uh city went full city guardiola went full guardiola holland went full holland and they won Mm. their last whatever 11 games for them it's still gonna sting like a mother don't get me wrong yeah look short of an absolute collapse and i think this team has proven it's not going to do that i don't think there's any scenario where i look at this season as anything other than a tremendous achievement but there's no scenario where we come second and I don't feel bereft at the end of the season. You know what I mean? Clive, like you're with me on this, right? Like you can't protect yourself. You can say it's a great season and it will, I think this is in the, we're pretty much assured this is a great season no matter what, but I cannot see a scenario where we're anything other than champions at the end of this season and anything other than miserable, you know? Yeah, I'm going to be guided um, because the expectations are being built but what I will say, the thing that would sadden me more than anything would be if something came along that drove disunity amongst people, because that's that's what unity is by which we we defined by this year for me. 
And if we lost the feeling that we all have, the, I think that would hurt more rather than the the result. Because Paul said they're different ways to end up with the result. City win level in a, in a row, and we drop points in two games. We don't quite get it. Then I could say, you know what, we're ahead of schedule. Like I can reason that in my mind. But if City lose three and we lose five, that's going to be disappointing. Do you see what I mean? It's going to be so disappointing because the narratives lost, will start. Yeah, yeah, we we create we've missed an opportunity. Even though they lost games, we still could do it. You know, then you have a mentality discussion. Then you have to look at the squad in a different way. So, so for me, and then what that that will do, then Elliot, that will then create the division and the discourse, which is really really negative, and bring back some of the things that are still out there. Just the scars that are just healing, they would all come back. And that would be a shame because that's gone. And the feelings that we all have now are really, really, in the main, really, really positive. So that's where I am with it. I get back to what I said earlier, the, the journey has been sweet. It's been so sweet. And I want those sweet feelings to continue. And if we lose it because we, we just literally, our backsides fall out, then we've got a serious discussion to have, you know, and that's a team discussion, that's a squad discussion. And I don't see that coming, if I'm honest with you. I, I really don't. I don't I don't see it either, but right, like you can lose at Anfield. The the funny thing is we think Liverpool are having the worst season ever. If you look at their home away split, they've been as good as ever at home, just about. It's so you could lose though. at Anfield. It's and you can yeah. And you can lose at City. And you can lose at St. James. None of those would be choking. Those are all reasonable places to go drop points. And we wouldn't be champions. Is it a collapse? Not in my view. If you finish with 89 points, look, the reality is there's only one outcome this season where we feel good, and that's the title. In my view, and I'm just speaking for myself here, there is no scenario from here where we leave this season not thinking it was a great season. I mean, I guess the scenario is like if we if we take like 10 points from our next 10 games, okay, then yeah, then you really got to look and say what the heck happened. There's I don't a lot in happen. between. Like if you add to yep. your scenario, another game we really should have won, but actually on the day we were shit and there's no good answer for it. Now you're narr- Now it's not just Liverpool. Now it's not just, but it's only yeah, one more it's game. Fun. It's only one more game. But the you know the narrative start to swing. No, I know, um, and and I think some of that depends on who you put out. Like if we put something that looks like our first eleven out on the pitch for these next ten games, yeah, there's no excuse. Um, I'm going to answer one question that's sort of a meta question. This comes from Adam Saltova at Adam Salter Four. When will the Arsenal Vision, the Arsenal Vision, listen to us coming up in the world. When will the Arsenal Vision start covering the Arsenal women on a regular basis? There's a massive scope for content there that is being untapped by your amazing show. We do get this sometimes. I want to be clear. I have wrestled with this a lot. I would love to cover the women's game. Obviously, I'm not an expert on it. Um, Clive knows it a bit. Paul, I don't think you follow it particularly closely. Tim is the gold standard in women's football coverage, in my view. The best in the business. We're proud to consider him part of our show. But he covers it for the Arscast and for Arsblog, who also, by the way, is a dear friend and we love pointing people to that content. It seems really weird to me to go recruit someone else to go do women's football content under our banner, so to speak, when I can just say to anybody who wants great women's coverage, the best you'll find is being done by the Arscast and Arsblog by Tim. 
Amen. So would I love to be associated with it? Would I love for it to be under our banner? Of course I would, because I think it's important. I think it's great that it's being done, but I have no need to create it because Tim's creating it and he's creating it so brilliantly. So I'd rather just say, rather than trying to say, for the sake of us being able to say we do it, here's our content. Just say, go go get Tim's blog. Go listen to Tim's pod because he's brilliant at it. And there's a lot of great women's content out there. I just happen to think Tim is a gold standard. So please know that it's not because we don't think there's value in it or, or reason for it. It's just that I think there's amazing content being done by someone we love and consider part of our podcast. And so we'll take just a little piece of credit for being associated with him, right? Um, but I, you know, it, it would be a little strange to bring someone into our group to do something that Tim is already doing brilliantly. Just so happens he's doing it, uh, you know, for Andrew's site and his pod, and, and we love that, and I'm glad it exists because it's it's fantastic stuff. So I hope that answers that question. Um, and you know, if you haven't listened to it, obviously please do uh, and read it because he's the best. Um, and he brings a lot of that knowledge into this pod too. You know, and, and quite frequently references things he hears from Jonas Idaball or hears from the women's players and things. Like, so I think we benefit from that. I think for a Thursday pod, the beginning of the interlow, we've we've covered a lot of ground here, and I think we can knock it on the head at this point. Um, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying this little break to the extent that it ever feels like a break. It feels like there's never really a break from the news cycle, but light all your candles and start saying all your prayers and doing all your voodoo hexes because the hoping for no injuries time is about to start. So that's your job for the for the next little while. We will have um, a lot more over on Patreon. We did a palace rewatch that was super fun, uh, and we opened that with a, an interesting debate. We're going to have a new patron podcast concept, I think, tomorrow. Uh Old Takes Exposed, essentially, is where that's going. By the way, if you want to listen to episode 606, that's our season predictions episode, and it's really interesting to listen if you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, at the recommendation of Sri the Gooner on Discord, I did that, and it's it's pretty interesting uh, to see where we've come from there. So something that might get you through the interlow. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Paul's on Twitter at Pops my Pants. Thanks, Paws. Woohoo! My name is Elliot Smith. You blocked me on Twitter at Yankee Birdo. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 leads now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.